0: You know every every so often there will be a moment where a photograph will grab the the imagination of not just a, a, a moment in time but it will grab the imagination of a people group or a culture or a season and we could go through there's these iconic photos that that, that would maybe mark lots of our stories in different times but earlier this year, there was this, this photo that was taken um, that at the very least marked me and and I believe as we look back on it um, over the years, it might mark this season that we found ourselves in the midst of a very kind of strange year that has been 2022. But this photo was, was taken on the second night of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And, and I remember when I saw this photo, it just, it just grabbed me because Russia was trying to invade Kiev and bombs were falling on the city and a lot of people had fled from the city. And maybe you remember this moment on the second night of the invasion, those that could not flee had gone into the subway systems underneath the city. And a 23-year-old woman gave birth to her very first child, this this cute little girl named Mia, gave birth to this uh, little girl in the midst of the subway system, surrounded by people, no privacy, surrounded by strangers, as bombs were literally raining down on the city above them. And I remember seeing this photo that someone took of this sweet little girl right after she was born, and it was, it was such a picture of the tension that we live in as human beings. This, this sweet little innocent face, she was totally unaware of like all of the peril that she was in, like she didn't come out of the womb, uh, aware of her enemies, aware of the geopolitical tensions. She didn't come out of the womb, you know, wrestling with the unsanitary condition of the subway system. She didn't come out asking about where the doctors were, none of that stuff. She, she comes out in complete innocence and ignorance, having no idea what was, was going on. And literally, this was happening in the midst of a battle. And I remember seeing that image, and it just grabbed me. And the next morning, I was sitting at the breakfast table with Sydney and the boys. We try to start every morning around the table with the Word of God out, and we're eating breakfast together and I thought about this photo, and I said, hey, guys, yesterday, this, this little girl was born in the midst of a battle, and she didn't even know it. And this was the question that I asked my boys at the breakfast table, and as soon as I asked the question, the Holy Spirit just turned the question back on me. And I don't know if you've ever had one of those moments where you ask someone a question, and then as soon as it comes out of your mouth, it was like God was asking you the question. But here's the question that I asked them the, 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 night after I saw, or the morning after I saw this picture, It's quite simple, is can you imagine what it would be like to be born in a battle and not even know it? Can you imagine what it would be like to be born into a battle and not even know it? And the moment I asked the question, it was as if the Holy Spirit just redirected the question back to my heart, and he says, yeah, Dave, what was that like? What was it like to be born into a battle and you you not even know it? And th- this picture really became almost a parable for me over the last couple of months, because the reality is every human being that has been born on the other side of the Garden of Eden, every human being born on the other side of Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, whether they know it or not, has been born into the context of a cosmic conflict. Born into a world at war and just like that sweet little baby was born and she had no context for the battle that she was born into, she didn't understand it, she didn't want it, she didn't prepare for it, and yet every aspect of her existence has been touched by it. And in the same way, every human being that has ever been born has been born into the context of a cosmic conflict, whether you understand it. Whether you acknowledge it, whether you believe in it or not, every aspect of the life in the world that you can touch and feel is being impacted by spiritual powers and principalities and beings that you can't see and understand. It's a crazy thought. I love the way that the scriptures talk about it. So many verses we could look at. I'll just give us a few to kind of get us going this morning, kind of warm us up. Ephesians chapter six, verse 12, Paul's writing to this church that just like you, they're their marriages were having hardship. Their friendships were uh, at war. There was political tension. There were uh, diseases that they were battling. All sorts of things are going on in their life. And I love this. Paul's gonna say, hey, the battle that you're engaged in is, is not against people. It's not against Republicans or Democrats. It's not against Alabama or UT. Maybe this week it is against Alabama in the name of the Lord. It's not against your neighbors or your coworkers or your friends, it's not against that person that wronged you, he goes, no, your battle is not against what, somebody shout out, Is not against, come on, it is not against, but against rulers and against authorities, against powers of this dark world against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Or some of your Bibles say in the unseen realms, like, Paul looks at this church and he says, your real life is marked by the reality of real battle, real struggle, real conflict, and you have to understand, even when the conflict comes toward you through the hands of other people, it's actually not coming from flesh and blood, it's coming from spiritual powers, principalities, and authorities. You were born into the war, whether you realize it or not. You're born in the battle. Or one of Jesus' close friends, a guy named Peter, I love the way that he says it as my voice cracked. <laughs> that that's spiritual battle against me, like... <laughs> David, in David, case you feel too confident, let your voice crack like a 13-year-old boy. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8, I love this. He says, be alert, and a sober mind, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour, resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. So Peter, one of Jesus' good friends, is gonna say, hey, listen, There are assignments against your life. There are things that are coming against you. And if you do not understand the reality that you are a person who was born into a battle, listen, if you don't understand that, you will be caught off guard at best, or you will be defeated at worst. If you don't understand that you are born into a battle, you will be caught off guard at best or you will be defeated at worst. And I believe this conversation is so important because every week uh, I sit down, I have conversations with followers of Jesus that are in the midst of very real life and they're having struggles in their marriage or struggles in their faith or struggles with their health or struggles in their relationships and struggles in all of these things and there's this temptation to look at all of those struggles through the context of the physical and to be confused when we find ourselves taking the fire of battle About a year ago my oldest son uh, he was invited to this airsoft birthday party I'm just curious, raise your hand if you've ever played Airsoft before. Just raise it high, you can own it, we won't make fun of you. Okay, a few of you. I'd never played Airsoft before, and uh, for those of you that have not played Airsoft, let me tell you, the name is very misleading, because (laughs) there's nothing soft about it. Um, I literally thought it was like Nerf, like Nerf guns, you know. I had no idea that they're literally firing BBs at you. You know, I did BB gun wars when I was a kid, but instead of just like being pumped and shot on four pumps, like... They are firing it with these high power, fully automatic rifles. I did not know this, so I show up at this Airsoft battle and I'm wearing my jeans from Gap and a a T-shirt and uh, my Nikes like any middle-aged dad showing up at an Airsoft party at this warehouse in downtown Nashville. And I I get out of the car in the parking lot and I am surrounded by all of these dudes dressed in full SWAT gear. And it's like they're ready for like World War III. I'm telling you, they're practicing. I know where they're at. Like, if there's the apocalypse, I know where I'm going. Airsoft downtown, and these guys are all like dressed out in SWAT gear. And I'm like, I, you know, I don't know that we're ready. <laughs> don't know that I'm prepared for this fight. And we go in, and they all have their own guns and these like big air uh, tanks on their back, you know, to shoot these bullets with more force. And I get the little stock gun that they give you when you pay the minimum amount of money to go to the birthday party, and. I get this stock gun and they send all of us, me and my son and all of these crazy monsters preparing for World War III into the same room where some dude who's in charge of this battle stands up, this guy who definitely lives with his parents in the basement preparing <laughs> for the zombie apocalypse and he stands up and he's barking orders. And then 30 seconds later they're pushing you into this arena with this gun and I've got these goggles on and I'm trying to figure out how to. and I kid you not, like. In three seconds, my neck just begins to scream with pain as this nine-year-old, raised by wolves, starts shooting me in the neck. I'm like, ah! (laughs) That hurts! And I I didn't even know the battle had started. I'm like, don't they blow a whistle? Like, isn't there a referee? Like, when, when does the battle start? And they're like, the moment you like walked in, the battle started. And it's like, I didn't know. And that that is is a picture of the human experience for so many of us. You just got shot, like in, in your marriage, in your faith, in your health, in your relationships, and you're like, ah, where'd that come from? When did I get in a fight? When did I have an enemy? And you just gotta understand Jesus has an agenda for your life and so does the enemy. And when we don't understand that we've been born into the reality of that world, a world at war, we're really prone, man, we're really prone to be caught off guard at best or to lose at worst. And so this morning, here's what I want to do as we enter into this conversation over the next couple of months. I want to recover this conversation about the unseen, I want to recover it from all of the, the weird spots that this conversation typically goes. And so there's a lot of unwise guides that would love to talk to you about the unseen realm. And if we were to sit down and take a test, a lot of us, some of what we believe about the unseen realm, you didn't get it from the scriptures, you got it from movies that you watch. Or you got it from some random self-help book that you picked up at Barnes and Noble not knowing that it was written by a Wiccan or written by some new age spiritual guru. And so you kind of adopted this stuff in your life not even knowing it. Some of the stuff that you believe maybe about the unseen world you, you picked up from that kind of strange friend that hangs out with your mom's friend group and she's kind of Christian and she's kind of new agey and you kind of like her and you're kind of uncomfortable but she's sown some sort of synchronistic beliefs into your life that you didn't know you had. For some of you, this conversation about the unseen has been shaped by that moment when you were in college and you stopped to see a psychic or a medium with some of your friends because you just thought it was fun and innocent and you had no idea you opened up a door into your life for some of these things. For some of you, every time you hear this conversation about spiritual battle in the unseen world, you just think of the weirdest Christians on planet Earth and you're like, oh, please don't let us become that kind of church. And and so here's what I wanted to say. Part of what I wanna do this morning is I wanna recover that conversation from all of the unwise guides who would love to shape this for you. And very simply, I wanna recover it and root it in the person of Jesus. And so for the next eight weeks, everything that we're gonna talk about, I want you to just keep asking the question, how do we see this in Jesus's life? How do we see this in Jesus's teaching? How do we see this in Jesus's ministry? How do we see this in what Jesus calls us to be as a church? And so I just wanna take a few minutes this morning and I'm just gonna kinda give us four baseline parameters. Imagine we're just gonna sort of build a a fence around this conversation, okay? And it's all gonna be in the person of Jesus. If you take notes, here's the first one that I wanna give us is that when it comes to the unseen, Jesus is the ultimate expert on the unseen realm. Jesus is the ultimate expert on the unseen realm. He is the perfect manifestation of how the unseen and the seen come together in perfect harmony and beauty to bring glory to the Father. He's he's the perfect expert. I love the way that Colossians chapter one talks about this. Listen to this, Colossians one, verse 17. It'll be up on the screen. It says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over all creation. For in Jesus, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, whether visible or what? Invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created by Jesus and through Jesus and for Jesus Jesus is before all things, and in Jesus, all things hold together. Guys, this is so, so important as we enter into this conversation about the unseen realm for you to recognize that Jesus is a trustworthy guide, why? Because he is the perfect manifestation of the unseen and the seen coming together. But he is the creator of the unseen world. He is the leader over the unseen world. He has all authority in the unseen world. And so you and I have a choice do we listen to our friend or that random movie or that uh, self help book that we picked up at Barnes and Noble, or do we listen to the one who sits above it all? He's the perfect authority on it, he's an expert. I love the way that John the Apostle talks about Jesus and the unseen, you know, John was speaking to both a Hebrew culture and a Greek culture that both of them had this understanding that there was this, un, in, there was this invisible unseen force that energized the entire universe, that impacted the way that people lived. And both the Hebrews and the Greeks of John's day called this energy the logos or the word. And so I love the way that John the apostle talks about this into his culture. He says that logos is not just an invisible force, it's the very person of Jesus. I love this. He says, Jesus is the Word who became flesh and made His dwelling among us and we have seen His glory. We have beheld His glory. The glory of the one and only sent from the Father full of what? Full of grace and, shouted out, full of grace and truth. He is the connection. He is, he is the expert when it comes to the unseen reality. And so, So part of what we're doing over the next two months, I just want to lay this first foundation. This first foundation is we're going, hey, Jesus, you are the expert. Your voice has the highest authority in our lives around this subject. Second foundation, the second fence is not just that Jesus is the expert. Number two, Jesus, this expert, is this loving teacher when it comes to the things of the unseen. He wants to lovingly teach us He doesn't leave us in the dark. He doesn't leave us in ignorance. He's gonna teach us through his ministry about both light and dark, both good and evil, about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he's also gonna teach us about the devil and demons and powers and authorities and principalities. Jesus is gonna speak into all of it. He's gonna teach us how to engage, how to, to live as physical, spiritual beings in a world that you can see and not see at the same time. Uh, I love one of the ways he speaks into how this happens as we engage the good. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. He says, when you pray, so Jesus is going to say, prayer is this tool that you've been given in the physical to reach into the invisible, to connect with your father. He says, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is. Shout it out who is who is unseen. And then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. All throughout his life, his teaching, his ministry, Jesus, this expert, is lovingly gonna teach us how to engage in the unseen in a loving, righteous way. But he's not just gonna teach us how to engage the good, how to engage the light. He's gonna teach us how to understand the darkness. I love this moment in Luke chapter 23, or Luke chapter 22, right before Jesus is arrested and crucified. He's eating a meal with some of his closest friends, and he looks out at Simon Peter, one of his good friends. Luke chapter 22, verse 31 and 32, he says, "'Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat.'" but I've prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail, and when you've turned back, strengthen your brothers. Guys, I want you to notice what Jesus is saying. He says, hey, Peter, tonight, you're gonna have a major failure of your faith. You're gonna gonna struggle in your faith, and this is not gonna happen just because you're engaged in a physical battle. This isn't just gonna happen because your willpower is low, because you're not disciplined enough, because you hang out with the wrong friend group. (laughs) He says there's a spiritual assignment against you you've been born into a battle. He goes, the devil has asked to sift you like wheat. What a sobering reality. But Jesus, this expert in the unseen, isn't just an expert, he lovingly teaches us, he speaks to us about both light and dark, good and evil. Foundation number one, Jesus is the expert. Foundation number two, he loves to teach his people. Foundation number three, he doesn't just teach us, he engages these realities in the context of his own life. Jesus, the expert, the loving teacher, he engages light and dark, good and evil, seen and unseen. I don't have this scripture on the slides, but I love John chapter five, you see Jesus engaging the unseen. In a really beautiful way, John chapter five, Jesus says, hey, everything you see me doing, everything you hear me teaching is something that I've seen my father do, is something that I am hearing my father say. In other words, Jesus says, what you see physically is being energized by what you can't see. He goes, everything about the way that I speak and act and live and love and lead, all of what you see is being energized by my heavenly father who you can't see. He engaged with the Father constantly through prayer, through fasting, through worship, through communion, through conversation, through obedience, all of these things that we'll talk about in the weeks to come. But Jesus engaged the light, the kingdom of light in the context of very real life, but he also engaged the kingdom of darkness. And I'll give you just three quick examples of how Jesus, this expert, this loving teacher, engages the unseen realm in his own life. And so right after Jesus was baptized, maybe you remember this moment, the father speaks, this is my son whom I love with him. I'm well pleased. The spirit of God is poured out on Jesus' life. Do you guys remember this? Shake your head if you remember it. Okay. And then what happens immediately after that? Jesus goes into the desert led by the spirit to engage his father, to to worship, to to pray, to, to, to receive his assignment for ministry. But it's there in the desert that he's not just engaging his father But he also engages his enemy. Look at Luke chapter four, verse one. It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by who? By the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And at the end of them, he was hungry. And so Jesus comes in his own life. He engages the Father. He engages the kingdom of darkness. But he didn't just do this on his own. He did this for others as well. At the beginning of his ministry, Mark chapter one, he'd been teaching all day, and then these folks began showing up at the house that he was staying at. I love Mark chapter one, verse 32 through 34. It says, that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and the what? Come on, I know it's nine o'clock, and all the the demon possessed. Guys, I wanna say this very clearly. Um, Jesus was not just a product of his ignorant first-generation worldview i hear people go, well, that's just because they just didn't know. This is Jesus, God, in the flesh, calling things what they actually are, as they actually are. The whole crowd, the whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. And so he engaged the darkness against his own life. He engaged the darkness that was coming against other people's lives. This was was a hallmark of Jesus's life, of his ministry. Not just the expert, not just the teacher, but engaging these realities in battle. I'll give you one more. It's the verse that Jordan read for us earlier. Look at Hebrews chapter two, verse 14 and 15. I love the way that the writer of Hebrews talks about Jesus's mission here on earth. Yes, he was a great teacher. Yes, he loved people well. Yes, he wanted to serve. But guys, please hear this. Jesus came to do something in the spirit that you and I could never do with a million years of serving in the flesh. He came to do something, to break something. It says, since the children, talking about us, have flesh and blood, Jesus too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the who? That is the devil. And to free those who all their lives who have have been held in slavery of fear and death. Guys, you realize that this was was part of Jesus's mission. (laughs) He understood the unseen, he taught the unseen, and he engaged the unseen, listen, in absolute victory with power and with strength and with life. I remember one time when I was a kid, I was in fourth grade, it was a really scary moment. I had a friend who was, uh, he was also a fourth grader and we were hanging out and these, these bullies showed up and they started pounding on my friend and there was nothing we could do to stop it. And it was brutal. And it was, it, was, it was a really scary and traumatic moment for us as this was unfolding. These older kids, seventh graders, were pounding on my friend in fourth grade and then suddenly a car comes pulling up and out of that car comes running my friend's older brother who was 16, <laughs> And what unfolded over the next few minutes was not as scary for us. It was like, whoa. My friend's brothers didn't show up and give a pep talk to the bad guys. They came up and dealt with great strength and great force against what was happening to the younger brother. And there's this this reality of Christ Jesus who shows up against every spiritual force and power that's come against humanity. And he doesn't come with just a good pep talk and a little bit of love. He comes with strength and authority. And he's come to break the power of the devil against your life. Praise God. Praise God that we don't have a cosmic cheerleader, but that we have a victorious king. (laughs) who comes in strength, Jesus the expert, Jesus the loving teacher, Jesus who engages in power, fourth foundation, Jesus who then empowers the church to understand, to engage, and to walk in the unseen with a place of loving authority. I love this. Jesus doesn't just call us to understand these things or think about these things or study these things or affirm these things. Jesus He empowers us as his followers in humility to walk in heavenly authority in the context of everything that we're going to talk about over the next eight weeks. So many passages of scripture that we could look at. Um, I love this one in Luke chapter 10. We'll teach on this in a few weeks. Luke chapter 10, Jesus has just sent his disciples out, 72 of them, to heal the sick, to preach the gospel, to raise the dead, to cast out demons. As you can imagine, some of them had great success. Some of them came back a little discouraged because it didn't work the way they thought it would. And they come back. I love Luke chapter 10. Look at verse 17 with me. It says, the 72 disciples returned with joy. And they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. They're like, that was pretty incredible. Like something just happened. We went out, something happened. Jesus replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And I have given you what? Shout it out. I have given you... Come on, we've got to say it like we have authority. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions, and to overcome all the power of the enemy, so that nothing will harm you. Listen to this: however, do not find your joy in the fact that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. He goes, so don't don't get in this ditch of being that weirdo Christian that's walking around, you know, with the spiritual sword T-shirt, and you know, you're trying to like do battle in the heavenlies, you know, all the time. It's like. That's not what he's saying. If you're wearing the spiritual sword t-shirt this morning, we love you. We're glad you're here. Some dude just took a shirt off, turned it inside out. He goes, no, hey, here's your source of joy. Here's your source of joy. It's that you're known by God and that God has done something for you you could never do on your own. And I've given you the ability to walk in it. To walk in it. Because he wants to empower his church. I love the description of the church in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10 and 11 a lot of times when we think about the church we think about all that you can see and touch and all that we're experiencing right here but I love the description of the church in Ephesians 3 verses 10 and 11 look at it look at this with me it says it was Jesus's intent that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God the multi-dimensional wisdom of God would be made known to who to rulers and authorities where In heavenly realms, in the unseen realm, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Guys, I don't know whether you knew this or not this morning, when you woke up and you made the decision to come be a part of a gathering that is covered by the blood and the grace of Jesus, when you showed up in this space this morning, it marked a declaration of war against the powers and authorities and principalities in the heavenly realms, that a signal flare went up into the heavenlies as we come together to worship Jesus for who he is, as we receive communion, as we confess sin, as we love each other, as we care for the poor, as we look out for each other. Literally, the gospel is being declared in unseen places. It's a crazy thought. She says, I've given you authority. I'm declaring who I am. So no wonder you come to church and you feel pretty good on a Sunday morning and then you get into your week and all hell breaks loose. Why? Because you have been a part of something today that is pushing back against the kingdom of darkness. You're born in a battle. Or Matthew chapter 16, I love where Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, hey Peter, he goes, on this rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of Hades or hell. Can't overcome it. And he goes, so no matter what you think you are seeing unfolding in the world around you, no matter what you think is unfolding uh, on the latest news headlines, he goes, you have to understand the story that is being written. And you have to choose who you're going to believe. And this is the foundation for the conversation. Jesus, the expert. Jesus, the loving teacher. (laughs) Jesus, the one who is powerfully engaged both light and dark, and Jesus, the one that is conferring authority upon his people to walk humbly and lovingly in those ways as well. But if you don't know that you've been born in a battle, you'll be confused and surprised at best. You'll be defeated and discouraged at worst. I think this is one of the great challenges for us, you know, as we... We think about what it means to be modern, Western American people born in the moment of human history that we're born in. Um, It's so easy for us to, to look at what's happening in the world and to fundamentally misunderstand what's happening in the world. So we engage the world in ways that fundamentally don't bring about the ways of Jesus. I was having a conversation with a self-declared atheist just a few weeks ago, and I was asking him what his experience has been like over the last several years, and here's what he said to me. He says, Dave, I don't know how to quantify it, but it feels, this is what he said, he goes, it feels as though there is some dark force that is energizing the division that's happening in our world. I said, hey man, there's a lot of things we don't agree upon, but I don't know if you and I could be any more on the same page than what you just said. You're, You're right about it. You see, a lot of us, we show up to the battle in blue jeans and a t-shirt, we get shot in the neck and we don't know what's happening. And sometimes that, ha- that happens because we're, we're ignorant about these things. And I don't mean ignorant in a derogatory manner. It's like we just look at the world and we see the problems of the world and we go, okay, that's happening because of societal breakdown or social pressure or systemic challenges or the situations uh, called for. It. And I want to be very clear All of those things are real, but if you don't understand what the scriptures say is underneath those things is an unseen world, then you'll be tempted to engage the social, to engage the systemic, to engage the situation with your own flesh and blood and to still feel like you're losing the battle. So sometimes we lose because of ignorance. Sometimes we lose because of arrogance. Have you ever been around somebody that treats the unseen world lightly? (laughs) they have that one verse that they memorized when they were 10 years old and they just you know greater is he than me than he that is in the world and and it's like you know victory to victory glory to glory and it's just and they just treat everything so lightly and those things are true but i'm just saying uh, we we engage this conversation with reverence and seriousness as christ did and sometimes the battle comes at us because we're ignorant sometimes it's because we're a- arrogant sometimes it comes at us because we're just fearful. There's some of you right now, and you're going, "Oh man, this is this is weird, scary stuff." And all of a sudden, if you're not careful, you'll start seeing a demon behind every bush. You know, you're pointing to target, and, you, and somebody gets your parking spot. And it's like, "Oh, the demon's got me." <laughs> you just live in this place of fear, like, oh. Sometimes it's ignorance, sometimes it's arrogance, sometimes it's fearfulness. I would say maybe the most common thing is just we have been lulled to sleep by a spirit of irrelevance. A lot of us have just come to believe, okay, maybe it's real, maybe it's not, but is it relevant to my life? And I just want to argue, and it's what we'll try to put forth over the next eight weeks, is that every place of pain in your friendships, in your marriage, every bit of division in our society, every every bit of heartache, every bit of violence, every bit of turmoil, every bit of everything that breaks your heart and brings grief to the heart of God has an unseen spiritual component. And if you don't understand you've been born in the battle, you'll be surprised at best you'll be defeated at worst. And so every week over the next three weeks, we're just gonna do something really simple together. Here's our goal. I'm gonna land the plane. We're gonna break up and spend some time in prayer and then we'll receive communion together. Very simply, every single week, three simple goals. Number one is we want to invite Jesus to raise our awareness about the ways in which he sees the world and understands the world. Jesus, raise our awareness so we see the world and engage the world the way that you do. So raise our awareness, number two, Jesus, would you help us to put on the armor? He doesn't send us into a gunfight with the t-shirt and jeans. (laughs) He sends us with spiritual armor. What is that armor? How do you put it on? How do you receive the strength of Jesus? Number three, how do you walk in the authority of heaven? So every week, raise our awareness, help us put on the armor, help us walk in authority, all under the banner of King Jesus himself. Because God has not just invited us to survive the battle. (laughs) He's invited us to join in what heaven is doing and to push back places of darkness in all of the space where you live, work, and play right here and right now. And I believe this is paramount for that. So here's what I wanna encourage you to do right now, to get with the person next to you in groups of two or three, no more than that, and to just spend a couple of minutes inviting Jesus. Hey, Jesus, would you open our eyes so we can see and understand the world the way that you do? Just real simple. Jesus, would you open our eyes to see and understand the world the way that you do? Get in groups right now. We're going to pray out loud for a few minutes, then I'll pray for us and I'll send us to communion into a time of prayer. So go ahead and you can start praying. Take as long as you want just keep praying, but whenever you finish finished praying, I want to invite you to come and receive communion. It's on the tables all around the room. And to come back to your seats with the bread and the cup and to just spend some time thanking Jesus for His victory on the cross and for what that opens in our lives. If you want to receive prayer for anything, there's some men and women at the respond banner over on the right side of the room. You can come and receive prayer at any point, and we'll end our time in worship. So come and receive communion. Keep praying and discussing together. Come and receive prayer. Love you guys.